This morning, uh, we're talking about the, the happy-sounding sermon title, Blessings on the Cursed Earth. Uh, I, you know, if I could have come up with one, that, but that's actually what I want to talk about. So, sorry if it's kind of a, a downer title, but trust me, by the time we're done, it's not a downer at all. Oh, and I meant to do that. Uh, but as, uh, as the year is ticking, you don't realize we are in the final hours of 2017. They are taken away, what are they, 12 and a half now? And that's it. Yeah, maybe even a little less than that. And 2017 will be gone. What'd you do with it? Was it a good year? Was it a hard year? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know which got the bigger yes, because I said them too close together, but man, it's, it's been a year, hasn't it? It's time for a new year to begin, and what kind of year are you going to build? You know, as we wrap up, you know, I really want to settle us into the blessings of God. But as the new year comes upon us, this is a time for reflection, thinking back on who we were and who we are and and who we want to be. It's a time for making resolutions that none of us intend to keep. Uh, You know, you're supposed to come up with a list of things that would make for a better you and then file that away. And in February, you go back and look at them again and you go, (laughs) wow. You know, I mean, (laughs) for instance, top of my list, preach shorter sermons. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. And I think this year I'm going to resolve to gain weight, go broke, and take up smoking. Because, you know, somehow we just struggle with, what kind of year do you want to build? You know, whatever I want from this year, and whatever you want from this year, I hope we are in pursuit of blessing. Like our ancient father who wrestled on the banks of the Jabbok and said, I will not let go of you until you bless me. I hope we're all grabbing hold of God and saying, bless me, even me. But what does that mean? For 2018 to be a blessed year, what would that look like? You know, I don't don't know that we really need to confront this, but I think there is a shallow understanding of what blessing is. Maybe I do need to confront it. I suspect I don't. If you're going to church, you've probably got your priorities settled in different directions. But in the world around us, there's this understanding of blessing that has to do with stuff and material goods and contentedness and happiness. Is that what blessing is? Is blessing having enough resources and allocated in the right ways, and then maybe a little more than enough, maybe another jar that's bigger than all the rest that goes, fun? You know, is that what a blessed life is? Or maybe blessing has to do with health. You don't have your health. You don't have anything. And so I, I want to be blessed with health. Can you be blessed if you're not healthy? Or, or maybe it's got to do with this happy, contented nuclear family. Right? Having everything together. Except we know people who don't have it all together. Who are struggling. Can they be blessed? Whose families are absolutely shattered and broken. Can they be blessed? Or maybe it's got to do with comfort. Right? That's what, if I can just be comfortable, you know, like that cat on the radiator. You know? Although I know that there are some people who are looking at that and going, you know what, the dander coming off of that thing, I'll never be comfortable near that. Okay, fine. Maybe comfort looks more like this. But... As long as I can be comfortable and happy and contented, then I'll be blessed. So God, bless me. Give me what I want. 
Help me to be satisfied. Take care of me. Well, I think in a way there's some truth in that. There's some. You know, if you if you never count your blessings, if you never look at the things of your life that God has organized and given to you, and well, then you're probably not a very happy and contented person. It's very easy to count your wants and not count your blessings, right? Count the ways God has taken care of you. But I find most of the time when I start counting my blessings, I wander away from things pretty quick. Start counting people. You know, I start counting good experiences. And I even start counting bad ones. Now God was with me in them. You know, if that's what blessing is, then it's awful hard to find it in this world. Isn't it? We live in a world filled with trouble. If your word's not up there that defines where you are, well, then write your word. But there is a lot of mess, isn't there? Pain of this world can land on you with both feet. It happens on an unexpected Tuesday. You're going along and everything's okay, and then suddenly, boom, it's not okay. And you wonder if it can be again. Norman Vincent Peale would tell you to just kind of positive that stuff up. God doesn't. You walk through the Bible, you walk through it with disasters. People who suffered pain again and again and again. The faithful were so often troubled, and they encountered this stuff, and they didn't pretend it isn't real. But it does rub in our hearts, doesn't it? Especially when one of those lands on you. And you go, I thought God loved me. Why is this going on? Can I be blessed when this is going on? I got this health problem. I got this money problem. I got this relationship problem. And how can I find my way to a blessed life? And besides, if God loves me, why is the world even like this? Well, the Bible actually has a pretty good answer to why the world's like that. It doesn't pretend the world's not like that. In fact, it's right at the very beginning of the book. It tells us, don't expect roses and sunshine all the time. And there are roses and sunshine here, and you're a fool if you don't pay attention to them. But there's also thorns and trouble in there. Why? If God's such a good God, why? Well, because the ground is cursed. God has pronounced a curse upon the earth, and only God can lift it. And He hasn't yet. We lived in a cursed existence. When humanity rebelled against God, when they didn't listen to God's Word, when when Adam listened to the voice of his wife, when his wife listened to the voice of the serpent, when the serpent deceived, and when we fell into that mess, the consequences are a destroyed universe. It's cursed. It's broken. So of course we get that mess. That Well, I'll put that up here in a second. Uh, God did this on purpose, folks. There's no accident that the earth is cursed. If God had not cursed our existence, we might be entirely content to live as the broken, messed up things that we are. I am a mess. I'm not like Jesus yet. I still read the Gospels in wonder. How can you be so centered? 
It takes so little to push me off center. How can you be so loving? It takes so little to make me mad. They beat you. How do you pray for their forgiveness? How do you do it, Lord? I look at him and wonder and and see the difference between myself and him. And I know that the ways that I am like him, that's his fault. You know, that, that he's accomplished these great things in me. I'm changing, but that's because of him. I know what I would be if it weren't for him. But if the world weren't cursed, I'd be content. I'd be satisfied with that mess. If God's blessings were everywhere, if there was no trouble, if there were not thorn and thistle, if it didn't require the sweat of my brow to get through the day, then I would be a very happy sinner. But in the cursed earth, there's no such thing. We live in that mess, and we do it on purpose so that we might seek something else. And even the very best of this world, when, when, if, if you were the richest person alive and you could do everything and hear everything, and you listened to all the most wonderful music and you ate the richest food, you had the most wonderful experiences and you traveled and saw all the most beautiful places when you were done, there is something about this earth that would leave you saying, is that all? Is that... Because my heart yearns for something more. I am left in a discontentedness in this broken world. Ruined as it is by us. Humanity does not want to believe that. We don't. We think that by our, by our setting up a perfect society or our organizing our life or our getting enough money, if I could just have enough of this or that or the other, then I could organize my life and overcome the curse. You can't. You can't triumph over that. It's bigger than you. It always will be. And if you don't know it, live a while. You'll run into it. And yet, hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. God's desire is not to curse. It is to bless. There is nothing in God that wants anyone living in a cursed existence. It is only for the good of the, of the, the race that He does it. That we might seek after Him in our frustration and futility. And we might long for Jesus Christ. So we live in this broken world longing for it to be unbroken. And it is God's hope as well. God's longing is to bless us. And not just to bless us someday. To bless us even here. To bless us in 2018. That you might have a blessed year. That you might have a blessed life. But if if that's true, well, how do I find it? Because it's easy to find the curses, isn't it? All I have to do is wake up. All I have to do is look around. I mean, I I say goodbye to people that I love and I don't get to see them anymore. Or or I look into myself and I say, why did I do that? Why did I act like that? I I know better than that. What's, What's wrong with me? I can find the futility... Pretty easy. Where do I go to find the blessing? In the book of Numbers, and seemingly popping out of nowhere, comes a blessing from God. 
it doesn't fall as if, you know, everything in the text has been leading up to this blessing. In fact, I think the stuff right before it is about a Nazarite vow. It's important to realize that it is God who puts that in there out of nowhere. Because God, out of nowhere, for no reason, wants to bless His people. Notice, it is God's idea. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, the Lord spoke. It is the Lord's will to bless your life. You can't do it. He wants to do it. You can't fix your life. You can't make your life contented. He wants to do it. And it's in His voice that it's found. He speaks the word of blessing. And He speaks such a mighty word of blessing that it takes on flesh and walks among us. It is the word of God that blesses us. It's God's idea. God doesn't want to curse you. He wants to bless you. He wants to make whole who you are, even here, even now. And He says, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel, and you shall say to them. I want you to hear that. The Word of God creates universes. The Word of God creates blessed lives. It is those who live their lives in the cursed earth by the Word of God that find their way to blessing. Is it just words? Yeah, just words. Words from God's mouth. Words from God's mouth have the power to settle into you and transform everything about who you are so that even here you live with joy. Even here in all the futility, frustration, confusion, and death, you triumph. It's by the Word of God that you do it. And God puts the Word of God into the mouths of people and says, say this to them. You know, this, this is a side note. But we have the power to bless one another. Do you know that? You have the power to become God's agent in another life. When you encounter somebody who is, who is wrestling with the curse, you can speak the hope that transforms. And suddenly they look at that brokenness completely differently with an entirely different hope that can survive it because you spoke it into existence. Because it wasn't really you speaking, it was God speaking through you. When the opportunity to encourage and bless comes upon you, take it. Be God's agent in one another's life because it's God who says, say this to each other. So what does He tell Aaron to say? He tells Moses to tell Aaron to say something. What does He tell them? Well, I want to point out two things before we get into it. The first is that it is a threefold blessing to be superlative. What is superlative? Well, in, in English, we have good, better, and best. Right? Hebrew doesn't have that. There's no such thing as best in Hebrew. So if you want to do best, what you do is you say, good, good, good. Or you say, holy, holy, holy. You heard that before? That's the superlative form. It's a way of saying most holy or holiest. They don't have a holiest, so they say, holy, holy, holy. Well, when God wants to bless the people, He says, bless, bless, bless. He says three different blessings so that He might bless you to the utmost. You'll notice right away it's not blessings like the American folks want. It's not necessarily blessing with comfort. But it is the most blessed that you can be. And it also is a growing blessing. It's not as obvious in English as it is in the Hebrew. But the first phrase in Hebrew is relatively short. The second phrase is a bit longer. And the third phrase is really long in Hebrew. It's like coming from a source and becoming a mighty river. 
You know, it just keeps flowing out of God. And by itself, it is telling us something. You want a blessed life? Come to the source. Come to where it grows within you. Okay, so what are the blessings? Well, let's look at it. He says, the Lord bless you and keep you. I think we know what it is to be blessed, or at least we think we do, but I think that the rest of the blessing is redefining that first word. The Lord bless you. How? By giving you lots of stuff. By making you really comfortable. By giving you power. By giving you fame. By giving you glory. No. The Lord bless you by keeping you. Now what does it mean to be kept by God? Well, have you ever felt discarded? Has anyone ever thrown you away? Have you ever had a relationship fail where someone turned their back on you and they walked out on you and they never saw you again? That's what it is to be unkept. To be kept by God. (laughs) I learned this lesson when I was a little kid, when my dad died, on the drive to my father's funeral. We, uh, We were driving along. And uh, we're listening to the radio. I guess we just really wanted to be sad because we're listening to my dad's last favorite album. We're listening to Kenny Rogers, uh, The Gambler. Dad loved that. Actually, that, that was the album. And do you know the song, The Coward of the County? Dad loved the song, The Coward of the County. That song came on and said he was only 10 years old when his daddy died in prison. I was nine. And well, though my dad was not in jail, my dad was a prisoner to alcoholism and manic depression, and I knew those words. They just resonated with me at such a depth. And I felt the despair of the cursed earth fall on me with everything. I had a sister sleeping on this shoulder, drooling on me. I had a sister sleeping on this shoulder, but I was awake. My brother was driving. And uh, my mom's sitting in the passenger seat. We're all in a rabbit, you know, <laughs> Volkswagen rabbits. Kind of tight. My dad and my mom looks back and sees me crying. She says, "Come up here, come up here." So I climbed up. This is before seatbelt laws. None of us were wearing a seatbelt. And I sat down in my mom's lap, and you know, we cried. And I looked up, and there were tears on my brother's cheeks. My brother is a mountain to me. It's like watching a mountain cry. He is my hero. I'd never seen it. I've seen it three times in my life. And so if he's crying, it's like, oh no, this is real. This has really happened to us. What are we going to do? Oh no. And my mom said to me, Ethan, we have hit rock bottom. And when you hit rock bottom, there's nowhere to look but up. When you are flat on your back, you have to look up and know that there is somebody there for us. And for the next 50 miles or so, my mom prayed. And I don't remember that prayer, but I know that it settled into my heart because it set me on the course of knowing that God kept me. And He has kept me ever since. Through every time that the devil tried to tell me that he hated me, God has kept me. Through every time that despair has fallen on me, God has kept me. Do you know what it is to be kept of God? Then you know what it is to be blessed. 
Because the curse cannot touch those whom God keeps. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. (laughs) Without that second part, that first part is very scary, isn't it? To have the Lord look... Have you ever been at the point where you're like, I do not want you to look at me. You look somewhere else. I did something good yesterday. Look at that. Don't look at me. Please, I cannot bear the light of what you're doing. If you look into me, you will see right through me and you will see what I really am. And if you see what I really am, you will hate me every bit as much as I hate me. So don't look at me, God. The blessing is, may He make His face shine and be gracious. The graciousness of God makes us able to bear the the weight of the light of God. God can walk with you into the darkest places of who you are because He never goes there to condemn. We condemn. And if you refuse to let Him come in, you self-condemn. But where He walks into your heart with you, His light drives away darkness. The graciousness of God is enough. And your sin is not as strong as His grace. And so the light of God shining upon... Moses knew what this is like. He's hearing from God. May may He make His face shine upon you. He's like, I know what it's like to have a shiny face. I've been there. May He stand with you in His glory and His wonder and walk into that darkness with you and give His grace to you because His grace transforms you. You can be wonderfully comfortable and be terribly evil and you are cursed and damned. But let Him make you uncomfortable and walk into the horror with you. Let Him walk into the sin in your life with you. Let Him expose it even to you. And His grace will heal what you can't. It will fix what you can't repair. It will transform what you can't change. And is there anything better than being a good person? Is there a greater blessing God can give than a holy you? The graciousness of God transforms us and in the light of His grace we are saved. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. In this troubled world, peace can be hard to find. Some of you are struggling to find it right now. You've faced the kick in your heart that you didn't expect. Trouble has come upon you and you're wondering, how will I get through? And all around you can be turmoil. Sometimes God fixes that. Have you noticed that? Sometimes Jesus stands up in the boat and says, alright, peace, be still. And He quiets the storm and that's how He gives us peace. Sometimes He quiets His child. Sometimes the storm rages on, but He lets us know it's okay. I am with you. You are in My eyes. I see you. I have settled upon you and I am with you. Lifting up His countenance upon you is saying, I am not ignoring you. 
You are in my presence all of your life. There is nowhere you can go that I don't see. There is nothing that can threaten you that I am not with you in its midst. And if God is with you, if His eyes are upon you, what do you need to fear? Nothing can destroy you. Nothing can overcome you. You can find peace in the presence of God. God has lifted up His countenance on you. And in those dark times, He's encouraging you, look at me. You lift up your eyes on me and I just, I just want to give you peace. I just want to give you wholeness and contentment. I just want to make you who you're meant to be. I want to help you to love in a holy way. I want to make beauty out of you. And in that, you will find peace. Come to me. My eyes are settled upon you. Come to me. And you realize that none of that that we've looked at talks about taking away the trouble. You realize that? These aren't blessings that replace trouble. They are blessings in the midst of trouble that overcome trouble. You may still face fear and sickness and pain and death, but you do them as blessed people of God. You do them in the name of God, which is what he ends with. He says, so shall you put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. Then when you realize that God is is good and God is safe, that God wants to look at you with love and graciousness, that God wants to give you peace, that God looks at you saying, I want to keep this one for myself. I love this one. This is my cherished possession. When you know that, you'll stop running from God. And you'll start settling yourself and your trouble into the midst of God. When the curse falls upon you with both feet, you will lift up your eyes and say, God, where are you? I want you. Help me through this, please. And He will bless you. You will find yourself in the name of God. And is there a safer place than within the Lord, the Lord, the God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love and faithfulness to a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin, but it will by no means acquit the guilty, visiting the sins of the father and the son and the son's son to the third and the fourth generation. Is there a safer place than that? Is there a more blessed place than that? He calls us to Himself. He says, you come to me and I will bless you. So, as you look into the new year, you say, I want it to be a good year. I want it to be filled with blessings. Well, to find the blessings from God, don't seek the blessings. Don't seek to orient your life so that it'll... I mean, go ahead if you want to make resolutions. I'm not super critical of it. Go ahead. It's great. Better your life if you want. But if you want to really find blessings, Seek God. Because the blessing that God gave to Aaron to give to the people, to give to us, is to say that the blessed life is found in God and in God alone. Come to God and He will bless you. Because God is our blessing. If you came to this place today and you came feeling the weight of the world, 
Know that we love you and that God does too. And he desperately wants to bless you. He really does. And if you need the prayers of God's people so that you can find your way there, we want to pray for you. It may be that you came here with something in your mind and your heart and what I've said has nothing to do with any of that, but you really want the prayers of the same. We want to pray for you. We want to care for you. Let us know. And if you're not a Christian, it is the blessed life. Start it today. If this morning you're subject to the invitation of God, there's room right here. Why don't you come while we stand and sing?